Welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa, you uh, <laughs> you want to scream is what I'm hearing. Yes, I... N- <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I had my notes backwards and upside down just now, and I was just like, what are we talking about in our intro? And I'm just like, I'm discombobulated because I don't want to talk about this episode <laughs> at all. <laughs> Great start. Really reeling them in. I'm legitimately so sick of this episode, and I told you this before, but I'll tell our listeners too. I have seen this episode now three times in the last seven days. I'm so irritated. Why did you watch it three times? Okay, okay. So on MeTV, the My... What is it called? My Entertainment Television or something like that? Is that what it's called? I just (laughs) thought it was MeTV. Something like that. I don't know. But MeTV shows all of... It's like a local station and it shows all of the old sitcoms and stuff. It's just like... It's basically my bread and butter. And they show MASH. And so they started over on the series because when they get to the end, they just start it back over. And... They played this episode, so I kind of like casually watched this episode, and then it happened to be the next episode, so like two days later, or the next episode that we recorded, so two days later, I had to watch this, and then we didn't end up recording on the day that we were supposed to record, so now I have watched it three times to take notes on it, and I'm just, I'm over it. I'm over this episode. I don't even like it that much. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I've only watched this one and a half times. And I don't outright, like, dislike or hate this episode, but, yeah, one watch was enough. I was like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I understand what's going on here. Uh, MeTV is great, though. Uh, I I don't watch it as much as you, I think, but they have, I think, every Saturday night, the show Spengali or Spenguli, whatever, where it's, uh, a, it's kind of like a... Do you know what Elvira is? It was like a show hosted by like a character where they're showing like an old weird horror movie and it's like <laughs> the BTV version of that and it's really fun like they showed the uh the monsters movie the other week oh my god i watched some of that with my mom and it's very low budget it's literally i think i don't know if it's literally a guy in his basement or whatever in face paint doing it but like that's the uh that's the aesthetic that they have and that's mainly what i watch on me tv because i'm a weirdo who likes old weird horror movies that aren't actually scary <laughs> i love me tv not gonna lie i watch it all the time and anytime i have free time i'm just like what's on me tv today and i hear you're also watching uh three's company on there Am I am I wrong in that? Yeah, you are wrong on that. Actually, I was watching oh, Three's no! Company on. Yeah, I was watching Three's Company on um uh, the independent film channel. I think it's called <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> I have seen great channel. Also, they have a bunch of like weird stuff, or they did legitimately wonderful. Yeah, sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, IFC is great. They have a bunch of weird stuff on that channel. They had the Comedy Bang Bang Show, which I thought was very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um. And they also showed a bunch of movies unedited. I love when cable shows the actual movie, even if there's commercials mm-hmm. in it, when they show like the not cut for TV movies. Wonderful. Couldn't ask her better. Yes, there are streaming services, but <laughs> I love TV movies that yeah. have, I like, I legitimately enjoy some movies that have commercials in them. Some movies play better with commercials. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, I can't name an example right now, but there are several movies where I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this without commercials. There's so many, like so many. I can't, like you said, I can't think of any right now, but it's true. I I enjoy commercials. It's like the weirdest thing, but whatever. But one time we watched Avengers Endgame on TBS Mm -hmm. with commercials and that movie was like six hours long and we watched the whole thing on TV on tbs and we were like we could put this on on any time like without commercials but we just powered through i love that like i what did we watch and this is kind of going on the opposite but my mom and i watched knives out with commercials that was the worst movie ever to watch with commercials yes and i'm pretty sure it was on tbs as well i love the movie too like i i legitimately really enjoy that movie but it the flow of it completely broken yeah, with commercials. Is, uh, yeah, and my I can mom see was like, that. "This is weird." <laughs> I was like, "Don't worry, it's like better if you're not watching it with commercials." Sorry, <laughs> you watch it as intended. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like this is your first exposure to it, but you know, it is what it is. And now let's talk about this episode. Uh, this episode is called Ring Banger, where Hawkeye and Trapper treat Colonel. Uh, Brighton, who is a little too battle-eager. In order to prevent him from causing more casualties, Hawk and Trap try to keep the guy off the battlefield by playing mind games and convincing him uh, that they're the only ones in the 4077 that they can trust. Vanessa, I know that you've seen this one a lot, and maybe that (laughs) uh, tampered your opinion on it, but what did you think of this episode? Honestly rewatching it this last time to talk about it i thought it was better than i thought it was in the past two times i watched it because i thought that the writing was actually really well done in this episode i the plot itself is like eh, you know i wasn't too interested in it but um i don't know the we'll get into it more but just the writing of the plot of them kind of playing mind games on this guy and how it all kind of culminates and together is i don't know i thought it was really well done what about you um i i don't dislike this one at all and uh i know what you're gonna bring up later on being like a particularly dated aspect but in context like i don't think there was even anything like super offensive or like borderline in this episode because it's all like in context of being in a a military base in the 50s but otherwise i was just like this one's just kind of there like it's just kind of an Mm -hmm. episode of mash the most interesting thing about it to me was the guest star uh which we should mention i know we have this in our trivia section but we should bring it up sooner that colonel brighton is played by leslie nielsen and the entire time i was like is that leslie nielsen i don't know like i don't really know what he (laughs) looks like but i've seen airplane uh you know a couple times is that him and then the end credits it was like that's him oh my god (laughs) Uh, what do you think of Leslie Nielsen in this? Well, I thought he was actually really good in it. When I watched it the first couple of times, <laughs> I was like, who is that guy? Do Why do I know him? What He looks so familiar. And then I was like, okay, it's Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> that makes sense why I would know him. Um, but I thought that his performance was actually so good in it. And we'll get to it later in our trivia section about him. But he's so funny. And I thought it was really well done, his character and who he was playing and just the whole thing. It's very interesting to see him kind of pre 
the the parody movies like Airplane and Naked Gun that mm-hmm. like made him famous to a lot of people playing more of a straight character in a comedy situation but not uh necessarily being like this over the top weirdo wacky guy that he, yeah. he goes on to play he's more of like a handsome military guy um <laughs> just kind of unironically and yeah it's it's pretty interesting that was what stuck out to me the most was the guest star everything else was just kind of kind of okay so the opening scene actually kind of really shocked me a little bit because Ooh. they're operating on Brighton and they start making jokes and stuff like that and there was a laugh track in the back and they were in the OR and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's a laugh track in the OR. That's like not, I mean, it's it's supposed to be more like a post-op situation. They're not all convened operating together, but I was still kind of like shocked. (laughs) Yeah. If you're, if you're used to, I didn't notice that uh, because you're more used to the rhythms of the show than I am. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure, like you were immediately were like, that's not how that's supposed to work. Yes, <laughs> but I I didn't even I didn't even realize that. That's very interesting, and I love that you you caught that. Um, <laughs> yeah, this first scene was just very simple. They were like operating on his his thigh and like taking out a bullet, and he's he's kind of this like tough military like don't worry about me like sweetheart like kind of <laughs> very confident uses that as like a charm and charisma and this starts with like hawkeye and trapper kind of being on his side like kind of liking him but then they take him to the swamp and they quickly lose that goodwill towards him as they kind of learn of what he's been responsible for as a commanding officer yeah like his toxic masculinity kind of shows um after hawkeye and trapper take him to the swamp for a drink um because he he seems like this really like charismatic guy he's pretty cool you know whatever so when he's talking with hawkeye and trapper that like toxicity kind of comes out and they quickly are like ew i don't like this guy (laughs) on the lines of like the sorry i keep using this term but like the toxic masculinity aspect of it. He like won't use his cane, even though he just had surgery on his leg. He calls battle fatigue, like being chicken. And I kind of liked how Hawkeye and Trapper called him out on that almost immediately. They said, did Freud ever mention chicken or something like that? And kind of pushing back on this idea that, you know, fighting in a war is not going to affect you mentally in any type of way. They recognize immediately that, like, he's not a good commanding officer. He doesn't think that casualties are a real problem. Mm-hmm. He's very just goal-oriented, and he's very, like, high and mighty about it. Like, uh, Trapper says, like, once he leaves the tent, oh, I wonder if he'll be, he'll stand so tall if he wasn't standing atop all these dead bodies. Like, a very yeah. kind of hardcore line said very casualty. Uh, very casually, excuse me. That's a that's a Freudian slip uh, to tie into our <laughs> to tie into our Freud conversation. Oh my god, Ethan! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, and again along those same lines, he really he uses this anti-Korean, like anti-Asian slur very oh, casually, yeah. and that's like, wow, you're kind of an asshole for that. 
And this scene is where you kind of get the driving force behind the episode, I would say, because like you said, Hawkeye mentions, Hawkeye and Trapper mentioned that he has a lot of casualties. And every time they see this guy, there are several more casualties, like more casualties than normal for, you know, operating. And this is where you get the title of the episode as well, because when Hawkeye and Trapper are talking to him like, hey, maybe you should take it easy because you just had surgery. Hey, can you stop killing people? <laughs> um, he starts to like bang his ring against the table. And that's kind of like the... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he bangs his ring on the table while they're telling him like, hey, uh, can we not cause casualties or excessive yeah. casualties the way you've been doing? And he's like, no, 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 my, like, not directly saying, but like, ah, uh, come on, you're being too sensitive. You're, you're not doing it well. And Hawkeye comments like, oh, see, the guy's a ring banger. He thinks that he's the quarterback and we're just the water boys in the Super Bowl of the war. Like, he thinks the war as a game, more or less. So they're like, we have to, we have to take him out of commission because he is just not, uh, not a good influence on on the whole thing right now. Yeah, so when I was looking up this episode, I came across the term ring knocker, which I think is supposed to be kind of what they're going for there. Um, and so as I was doing a little bit of research on what that term meant, I found that that ring that he was wearing is a class ring for um, a military academy. I, they mention it in, I'm pretty sure, the next scene that he went to West Point, which is this really elite military school. And the term ring knocker is actually used in the military to describe these type of guys who are like Brighton, who went to these elite military schools and then now kind of like think they're better than other people who went to not as elite military academies for training and whatnot. And I really thought that kind of spoke to the show's overall tone against militarism. And again, not not necessarily being like anti-military, but like being anti-militarism, but did it in a in a more subtle way with this character, because obviously he is banging this class ring that's known for being like elitism and stuff like that and this character in general is more preoccupied with fighting a war but not really caring why they're fighting a war and doesn't really care that he's expending all of these lives and stuff like that and i thought that that was again it was a little bit more subtle i think than we've seen in the past of their critique this show's critiques of the army and war and stuff like that and I just I just really liked it. I thought that that was really interesting, too, with like the ring banging thing. It was very on the nose of like ring and knocking. Well, if that's like a legitimate term, uh, which I didn't know before you mentioned that, uh, that is very well constructed. Then again, I just saw it as like a, a Super Bowl thing because they talk about it like it's football and he mm -hmm. views the, the war like a game he's playing like they're not real people involved it's just uh i want to win let me win i'm gonna do whatever it takes to win and you know that's not necessarily the approach that you should go with when you're in an actual life and death situation so that's that's cool that this uh has that commentary in it 
not that I didn't recognize it, but knowing that like the ring banger thing is a thing. It's more clear commentary than I thought it was. I just really liked that it was kind of poking at this idea of intermilitary conflict. Like these these guys who are, you know, like if you're not in the military, you're not necessarily like you don't necessarily know that term. And it's kind of just I, I thought it was just interesting how it was like these guys in the military don't like these guys in the military for, you know, all of these reasons. I don't know. I, I liked it. Yeah. So then, of course, because Hawkeye and Trapper are who they are, right? They're like, we have to get this guy out of here. <laughs> this this is too much. He's he's causing people to die. So they have Radar run, like, oppo research on him, essentially. And they find out that, again, he was from West Point, which is one of the, you know, elite military academies so it's kind of you know they shoved it in there a little bit more um and he was in perfect health he has never taken sick time this that and the other thing but they also found this out this guy is gonna be healthy two years after he's dead <laughs> yeah that's how hawkeye describes him because he's in such good shape but they also mentioned that he's had twice as many casualties as any kind of like commanding officer on the front with covering half as much ground so he really is just kind of battle hungry and wants violence and war and doesn't care about the human impact and it's like okay that's not good <laughs> and with that that battle hungriness i i like how they characterize him again because he's never malicious they don't say like oh he's evil or whatever he doesn't do mm -hmm. anything bad uh really other than use a racial slur which again is in context of a white guy in the 50s but he's still like just a kind of normal charming guy like they don't present him as like oh check out this bad guy that we have to take down it's just like this charming guy isn't behaving well so let's get him out of here <laughs> yeah i think that they kind of not that they played it down but they definitely didn't play it up that he was you know causing massive death um what's interesting though to me with this storyline where they're trying to kind of keep this guy out of battle in any way that they can is that you see this kind of a lot throughout the show there are definitely episodes further on when trapper is gone basically we have a whole new cast with like several episodes of this kind of exact storyline of hawkeye trying to get this battle hungry commanding officer off like out of the war so it was pretty interesting to see that like this first one good beta episode something we'll, <laughs> we'll iterate on uh several times in the future <laughs> so we should get into kind of their plot to get him uh, like out of the war entirely or at least off the battlefield for a while so do you want to kind of explain what they were doing well they they gaslight him. They they make him question his his reality. Like that's what they do. They make him question his entire perception of reality by doing these like little things that just make him be like, "Oh, I'm not well." Because he his whole thing is like, "Oh, I feel fine. I feel perfect," and he is perfect. Like he's in perfect health. But they uh 
they keep manufacturing these scenarios to make him question whether or not he's losing his mind, like mm-hmm. moving his tent, having Radar put in a glass of milk in the tent <laughs> and saying that it's been there for hours and that he really wanted, like... Yeah, they they gaslight him and make him question his sanity. That's their yeah, method. They wage psychological warfare against him in a very <laughs> similar way that they would like Frank. <laughs> if they were trying to pull something on Frank, you know? But like, worse. Yeah, I think that it was a little bit more overstated. Not overstated, but... um. For people listening, Vanessa just keeps opening and closing her hands like an explosion. Uh, like jazz hands. She keeps jazz dancing, <laughs> uh, which doesn't play well the audio. <laughs> yeah. It's just a lot more than what they would yeah. do to Frank, I feel. Um, so this is where I thought that the writing was actually really well done. They make him believe that he is starting to have like battle fatigue and that there could be something you know wrong with his leg and stuff like that but they do it in a way that's like you have to believe us because everyone else in the camp is crazy gaslighting you can't trust anyone else but us it's like that's insidious but um it's insidious for a good cause yes (laughs) as is usually the mo that's true they do it in a really good way where they say, you know, oh, you can't trust Henry because Henry is this drunk. They kind of they kind of suggest that Frank is gay, so you don't want Frank to touch you because again, the, the toxicity of gay that era. Panic. Yeah, exactly. We'll get into that a bit more. Yeah. And you know, you can't go near Margaret because she's Henry's girlfriend and he'll get really angry. So she can't examine you either. So it's all this kind of ploy to convince Brighton that the only people who are legitimate are Hawkeye and Trapper and don't go for a second opinion because you'll get the drunk or the gay. <laughs> the drunk or the gay. <laughs> the two evils. Yeah, right. <laughs> so... It's it's hard to discuss if you're not watching it, but I yeah. thought that the writing was just really well of how everything kind of came together, that they were sowing these seeds and stuff like that with, um, there's a scene a little bit later on when, after they tell Brighton that Frank is, you know, gay. In so many words, they're like, oh, <laughs> he, he dresses like a woman or whatever. And again, whenever they bring up people dressing like women, I'm always like, ah, but Klinger, though. Klinger's like, (laughs) nobody cares about him. But whenever they bring it up in these early episodes, it's like, oh, my God, how could anyone do that? Are are they a a deviant? And then later on, like, there's a man in a dress every episode and (laughs) nobody cares, like, at all. (laughs) Yeah, everyone just kind of treats it as normal. Or the people who don't treat it as normal are just like, wow, that was weird. (laughs) (laughs) but um i guess we'll kind of get into it like this scene i didn't particularly like it i again i understood the context of it and that it's just it was the 1970s so being gay was kind of you gotta you gotta roll back to the 1950s gay people were legit more or less banned from the military but i i was more talking about how in the 1970s you have this cultural change where um it was still the early-ish 70s this is when gay rights kind of just was beginning to gain some traction um and 
I think we had mentioned in a previous episode, like this is kind of when women's rights started to gain some more traction in like the 60s, 70s era. And the TV show itself just kind of like hadn't caught up yet. And I believe up until like recently, this kind of idea of gay panic was, you know, played for laughs. And we're just kind Mm -hmm. of now being like, okay, well, this is not actually not funny. So yeah, it, it just like wasn't. It wasn't funny in a modern context. I'm sure it was funny at the time, maybe, but, like, I didn't think it was funny. So after this whole scene with Frank where Brighton, like, won't let Frank examine him because he thinks he's gay and, God forbid, like, a gay person touch you, I guess, um, Hawkeye and Trapper and Margaret are all in the swamp and... Margaret says, why are you not letting Brighton leave? He's completely fine. I'm a nurse. I know what he like. I know that he's okay." And so they convince Margaret that he has no self-esteem and that as a man, he's just like shot. Yeah. And I thought it was really funny how easy it was to convince Margaret that this like big strapping military guy was really vulnerable at the moment. And she was like, Oh no! I just well, like her reaction to it was like, so funny. Into him. Okay, so we are thirty-seven minutes in this episode, and we've talked about two scenes. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. <laughs> but they, they established that she's like already into him. So having them mention like, oh well, he needs a self-esteem boost. Like they did, she didn't need much convincing to go and try and go after him. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Like you said in the OR, she was kind of. They made a joke that she was kind of like drooling over him, and I thought that that was really funny. People are liable to trip over your tongue. (laughs) That was so funny. So after they kind of plant the seed to Margaret that this guy needs some kind of like self-esteem boost, uh, knowing that she'll probably be the one to do it. Try to sleep with him more or less. Yeah. So there's this scene with Frank and Hawkeye in the showers and Hawkeye makes uh, like a mention that Margaret was you know getting ready for a date or something like that and frank was like i don't i we don't have a date like what are you talking about and that kind of sets in motion frank's jealousy like they plant the seed that margaret is going to go on a date with brighton and frank is like oh no oh no what's gonna like i i don't want this he he starts getting jealous he works himself into a lather and he literally has a bunch of lather on him okay can can i just mention that frank washed his body and washed his hair with the same soap and i was like that's gross welcome to being a guy in the military my man (laughs) uh you don't have a lot you're not exactly looking to be all suave you know you're just like i gotta get clean that's disgusting i hate it but (laughs) (laughs) oh my god can we talk about something that's disgusting is that he goes over to margaret before she goes out and tries to hang out with uh colonel brighton like, he goes over and kind of, like, panics about their relationship, and mm-hmm. he starts just smelling her hair for, like, two <laughs> minutes, and I know they're in a relationship, so in theory, it's better than they would, like, if they're not, but I'm like, hey, don't sniff people's hair. That's, like, gross and, like, <laughs> weird, and don't do that. It's not, like, a comfortable thing to do. It made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, even Margaret was like, Frank, don't sniff. <laughs> it's like, because yeah. it was very, like... It was kind of strange how 
he wasn't like, oh, you smell nice. He was just like a straight up dog sniffing he was, her. Like, in like straight up like in her head, like just <laughs> next. To- it was bad. I don't like seeing this. <laughs> what did she say? Because Frank was like you said was kind of in a tizzy about their relationship thinking that she was gonna i guess like cheat on him with brighton which was her intention i guess and she says something along the lines of well you can't just come in here dripping and sniffing because he had just come from the shower oh my god (laughs) that scene was so funny to me so after that whole thing with frank and margaret hawkeye and trapper are talking to brighton and they say that margaret was henry's girlfriend and you know oh she's gonna come in and she's gonna like try to touch you but don't touch her because she's henry's and gross okay yeah we know which is a lie because they had planted the seed to margaret that she should go in and try to like have sex with him so then hawkeye goes to henry and says oh henry can i keep this bottle in your desk uh because i can't keep it in the swamp this bottle of alcohol and henry's like oh yeah sure so then they start drinking And if you remember, Hawkeye and Trapper told Brighton that Henry was this drunk. So they had to get Henry drunk. They get him drunk and they convince him that he has to go out to like a shooting range to like win. I didn't quite understand this. If he shoots targets, he wins uh, $350 out of like a shooting proficiency thing. And he gets wasted, like blackout (laughs) drunk more or less. And... They, like, take him to the tent where everything comes together. It's the whole house of cards collapsing in on itself where it's, like, Frank's there, Margaret's there, drunk Henry's there. And, like, they're making Brighton be, like, this place is insane. I need to leave. Like, I'm losing my mind. Henry waves a gun around, drunk out of his mind. And I was just, like, I hope that's not loaded because that's very dangerous. So just to back up a little bit, they knew that Margaret was going to go to Brighton's tent and they knew that Frank was going to, you know, maybe like follow her or whatever the case was or like try to examine Brighton again. Then you have Margaret, Frank, Brighton in the same tent and then they grab Henry and they're like, okay, Henry, time to go. Really, really drunk Henry. And (laughs) oh my gosh. And so because they had said to Brighton before that Margaret was his girlfriend Henry drunk and pointing the gun they're like oh no Henry don't shoot Brighton because you're jealous and stuff like that and like you said Brighton's just like I have to get out of here this is crazy so yeah they have Henry sign papers because they they had an ambulance come right away (laughs) and they had Henry sign papers to send Brighton back stateside so this whole crazy ridiculous plot worked in the end yeah they they make brain question his sanity. They set up the the whole game to have it all like Ocean's Eleven style, where like <laughs> low stakes Ocean's Eleven, where everything works out in the end, and then that's the end. And the episode is perfectly fine. Well, I wouldn't say perfectly fine. That's the end of the episode. We actually got another laughing OR scene where at the very end, Hawkeye. Um, Uh, what is it so hank hank who the fuck is hank okay yeah you know what i'm done with this episode i'm i'm over it just know that there's another scene in the or where there's a laugh track and i was just surprised that that's the most interesting part of this episode to me but yeah i just i i liked that this kind of was well written enough to have all these like really tiny moving parts and have them all 
crash into Converge. each other. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, again, I had my problems with this episode, but I thought that it was written really well. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't argue with you. It's just that it's not incredibly funny. Like, if it was just a laugh a minute or, you know, whatever, it would be a much better episode. Mm -hmm. But it was just kind of, it was just kind of fine. It was just like a kind of fine episode. Yeah. Let's talk about Leslie Nielsen. Obviously, he's more well known these days for being in Airplane and Naked Gun. Uh, did you have any familiarity with him? Like, have you seen uh, Airplane? Are you a fan of those uh, 70s parody movies? Yes, so I actually watched Airplane for the first time probably around the same time I started watching MASH, which again, too young for Airplane probably, but very funny regardless. I think that's another <laughs> that's another movie that's funny, but it's very dated. Like, <laughs> so it's a lot. That movie is a lot, but it's fun. I respect Airplane more than I like it. Um, it's It's mm -hmm. one of those situations where I fully recognize that what they're doing is kind of incredible. Like, there's a joke every second of that movie. Yeah. Like, it is relentless. It is nonstop. You could watch that 500 times and, like, notice new things. It's, like, an incredible piece of filmmaking for this very dumb, dumb, dumb movie. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I don't find it to be, like, incredibly funny. Like, you said, it is dated, and it's just more like kind of the 70s vibe. But like even if like 10 jokes don't land for you in the space of a minute, there's going to be like another one that's like pretty good right after that. So like even if the hit rate isn't 10 out of 10 perfect, it's still like <laughs> an incredible movie to watch where you're like, how did they even think of all these things to do? <laughs> Yeah, I think that because so my mother and my grandmother really loved this movie. It was like, of course, it's their favorite movie. I remember it was one of those first like, oh, this is adult humor. I'm watching adult humor. And so maybe that's why I thought it was really funny. I haven't seen it in years, but yeah. <laughs> and Leslie Nielsen is very good in it because Leslie Nielsen was a very serious actor before transitioning into these wacky uh, comedy movies. And you have a bit of background on him. Let's, let's hear about it. So he was born in Canada. He's a Canadian actor. And he actually served in World War II, um, which I thought was very interesting. He has had a very prolific career acting-wise. And he did, uh, he did serious. He did comedy. He did the stage. He did documentaries for the Discovery Channel, nice. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so he, he did a lot. And what I thought was most interesting about him, or like one of the most interesting things, I just didn't know this, was that he was actually legally deaf. And he wore hearing aids for most of his life. Oh, really? So I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, I, I had absolutely no idea. Oh, that's and cool. I thought that that was really interesting. Yeah, I, I love that, honestly. I love whenever anybody works with their disability, you know? Yeah, I thought that that was really, really interesting. Because, I don't know, like, I guess you just, like, kind of wouldn't know it yeah. if you didn't know. I want to see more of his dramatic stuff, too. I want to watch, like an old Leslie Nielsen drama so I could see him completely in a different mode. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. I always really like to see comedy actors in more serious roles or even even serious actors in comedy roles. Yeah, because he was a serious actor. Like, that was the whole bit that they got, like, this prestigious guy 
to say this like really ridiculous lines but like be very stoic about it that that was their whole yeah. bit about him and it like worked really well <laughs> so Vanessa you're you're over this episode I'm over it I'm glad that this one's done um but the next one I'm actually really excited to talk about, and I'm really excited for you to see it. Oh, yeah. Like we've mentioned, whenever there's like a meh episode, uh, a good one usually follows it. And oh boy, that continues to be true. So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Fierbalco for being our technical consultant, Vanessa's sister, Melissa, for our awesome cover art, our music and social media are linked in the description. And lastly... We'd like to thank you, our listeners. And until next time, actually shampoo when you wash your hair. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Goodbye, everyone.